The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live here from Salem, New Hampshire, on the upstairs of Two Guys Smoke Shop. And Scott is smoking an unlabeled cigar. It's a solemn occasion uh, today. It is. That's true. Scott went a little crazy on the last cigar sale here, so we got a lot of these unlabeled cigars. We are going to discuss our little squirt. We lost Gigi last week, um, somewhat suddenly, somewhat... Not so suddenly. She had been having some heart issues um, since September, but... I wasn't ready. It was a hard go for us. We're never ready. <laughs> Scott says to me on the way home, he's like, literally like, just freaking, we've both been sobbing. And he's like, how many more times do we have to do this? <laughs> like, literally, it was like, let's count what we have left. Squirt was hard. And um, we are going to talk about owning a tiny dog today because... And for us, it's funny. I did some quick research when you were off talking before, babe. And like they say toy breeds, right? So like that's a thing, like a toy breed and what's what's a toy breed. What's the weight on a toy breed? Well, that's what was weird. Like a Pomeranian could go anywhere from like four pounds to like seven something. They included Shih Tzus in there, but they could go as high as 18 pounds. So for the sake of this podcast, a tiny dog outside of the breed of the dog is five pounds and under. That's what we're calling a tiny dog. And it's not that there aren't other small dogs and everything else, but Gigi was... Three and a half pounds. She yeah, was she a was small a, dog. She was a toy, that's for sure. A small, like a teacup um, Pomeranian. And Pomeranians do tend to come in larger sizes. I've, I was told, and I don't have a lot of experience with the breed other than owning one, that like the pet store, Pomeranians tend to be bigger. And the more show line, Pomeranians tend to be, they breed them for that small, small size because that's a, a big plus when you're showing them in the ring. Yeah. That's what I heard. Well, we got we, we got, got a, a non-pet store one, and we got a small one. We got to do the quick tip of the day. We haven't even done that. Small dog, big spirit. Biggest spirit. Mm. <laughs> Real big spirit. And big mouth. Real big spirit, Noisy. yeah. So our quirky tip of the day today um, in relation to this topic is going to be if you do have a tiny dog, especially um, if it's a puppy or, you know, any dog that's a puppy sometimes seems tiny if you're having trouble sizing a collar look into the cat collar section it's something that scott often says and it has a lot of validity to it so if you're having collar issues always check out cat products make sure they're strong and everything but that's a place to go because we had sizing issues with squirt always it was it was hard well uh when she had uh, she also had alopecia which is where her hair all fell out so then she looked almost like a hairless cat for a a couple of years. Yeah. But then we found that her collar size changed dramatically. All her hair came back and the collar she was wearing didn't fit anymore because there was so much hair on her. Yeah. She did. She really, I mean, her coat, she... Do we have any before and afters on that uh, There's coat? some there's some Christmas videos. We're going to show her opening her gifts um, today for a few of the past few years um, over Christmas. That's a tradition we have. And then you'll see some of her alopecia journey and learn a little bit more about her spirit. And I also included within the show notes in this podcast. Um, we did a live animal communication reading with Gigi. She was right here on the set. And Joan Ranquette is a very well-known animal communicator from California. We consider her a friend, and um, we've met her before when she was in New England. So she was our interview on that episode, and we had Squirt with us. And then when we hit with Stay at Home and we weren't coming into the studio, 
We did like five series at home. I don't know. Anyway, the first week, it was like some questions that were floating around Facebook about Ask Your Spouse, and Gigi was a star in that one, too. The rest of the at-home series was pretty much my dogs just not listening to any obedience. So <laughs> if just, you want to check out the whole stay at home series, they're very funny. All right. So our squirt, why don't you um, just tell people a little bit about the journey of Gigi, and then we can give some tiny dog advice and see where this goes. Well, I, I got her from a friend of mine, uh, Stephanie O'Brien, you know, 14 years ago. I was at a uh, training with my Malinois, doing a French ring training, which we did, you know, th- two, three times a week. And she was at the field and she showed up with this little Pomeranian puppy that was just eight weeks old that she was having trouble getting papers on the dog from the the male. And so she didn't want to try and sell the dog or the puppy because it didn't have papers. And I said, well, if you need a home for it, <laughs> Uh, my my daughter would love this little puppy, and uh, and she said, "Really, that'd be great," you know. And so she very generously gave me this puppy, and um, we've had her ever since. And uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> it's been quite a journey. That's I mean, a lifetime ago, almost have, now. I mean, fourteen years is a good good run with yeah. any dog, you know. Well, and even with that said, just to flush that out a little bit more. So, Katarina was what seven? Yeah, then? she was seven. So Scott's daughter was seven. She's graduating next month from Johnson and Wales University in Providence. She actually happened to be home from spring break. She's studying abroad in Costa Rica later this month. Also, um, she just happened to be home like within like a half an hour of us the, when she needed to be put down, and she was there and was able to say her goodbyes as well. They started in California. Gigi drove across the country with Scott and his oldest son and Katerina. And what did you have? A tortoise, a mastiff, two Malinois, Gigi, and a cat, right? Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of Gigi going on. Dr. Doolittle Express. (laughs) (laughs) We inherited Gigi, I'd say, probably five, six years ago, full time. Um, And she's a lot. Like, we talk about her a lot on the podcast. We talk about you know, oh, she's three pounds. She's so much dog. She really is. Like what happened just to let you guys all kind of know the journey here. Gigi was a strong little dog, right? Like she had not been to a Western vet in many years. Scott was very conscientious about um, when to vaccinate because she was so small. This is definitely a consideration that you want to consider when she was young. She didn't get her rabies till she was over a year. Yeah. To make sure she could, you know, be strong enough with her immune system. I mean, when you're talking about a tiny dog, a five pound and under dog, you're talking about a lot. So anyway, Gigi has been ours. She's had this journey of alopecia. Um, I'd say she'd had probably two full-on bouts of it where she lost almost every single hair that she had. And She kept the hair on her head. Yeah, she kept the hair on her head, but she was balding a lot of other places. It was very thin and everything else. So we had seen an Eastern vet for that issue, but overall, Gigi was pretty healthy. She was not getting rushed to the vet. She wasn't going a lot of places. I stopped taking her to a professional groomer probably four years ago because, well, one, with the alopecia, there's only so much hair to take care of. And then two, as she got older and crabbier, she really just barely allowed me to do it, frankly. And I well, did groom her and I kept her nice and everything else. And we, we're careful of older dog exposure, right? Like we don't want her going to Petco all the time, going to a groomer all the time, maybe contracting kennel cough. She's older. So were you She was say always something? healthy. I mean, the, no, the one very thing about healthy. her is that she never... Never got sick or anything. Yeah, she was, she was very just never strong. a sick dog. She was, she was, was on strong. a raw diet from early on, and uh, we used holistic vet to to bring her in just for checkups. Just yeah, it like was we mostly, go to holistic, and yeah. like they would put her on 
some herbs. recommend some herbs for you know immune support and this yeah. and that for older dog stuff. And it was basically it was I was proactive. bringing her for the alopecia because having such a beautiful coat and she passed away with just a gorgeous coat. Ironically, um, having such a nice coat, I wanted to do the best I can to make sure she had the hair. And it's funny, my love, my Eastern vet, he. He says to me, I'm like, well, this is breed specific, right? Like, you know, Pomeranians, they can get this alopecia. And he looked at me and he goes, well, a lot of breeds can have specific issues and then we treat them in a specific way. So whatever his woo-woo herbs are made our coat beautiful and great. But anyway, we're, we're supposed to go to a wedding in October. We talked about that on our podcast. Um, it was the Must Love Dogs episode. I think it was our 100th episode. We were leaving for the first time with zero dogs for three years. So it was a pretty big deal. I would say about two to three weeks before that, I heard like a cough once or twice that I hadn't heard before. But to me, I was like, eh, maybe there's fluid. Maybe it's her heart. I'm not sure. So I brought her to one of my Eastern vet friends. Her, She did have a murmur. She did have some stuff going on. I, the cough was getting a little bit better with holistic treatment, but that next week, then I looped in my Western vet and I'm like, hey, can we do an x-ray? And at that point in September, she was in congestive heart failure based on all the fluid around her heart, the way that her heart was developing, it was enlarged. She definitely had heart disease and everything else. And anyone who's been through this journey with their own personal dogs or having friends with dogs with it know that vetmedin is like the go-to drug for that, right? Like, okay, congestive heart failure, like that'll keep the heart pumping and everything else. And she never tolerated that drug. It says on the label that some dogs have gastrointestinal issues and everything else. And she didn't tolerate it. Like she was on it maybe three to five days. And Scott and I both agreed that if the way that she was progressing on the drug was the quality of her life, like we weren't going to take put keep her on the drug. It just was not going well. She was not strong. We were supposed and, uh, to be just leaving. Just to really help you understand what that means, she was at a point where we'd put a bowl of food down for her. She'd go look at the food and then squirt blood and diarrhea yeah. out of her butt in the kitchen. Yeah, like, it that's was, how messed it was up terrible. her system was. And that was. was maybe like a week before we were supposed to leave for the wedding. And that specific situation where I'm like, oh, I'll feed her out of the crate. Maybe she'll be more interested in food. She literally like pooped liquid blood next to her food bowl with full raw in it. And I just sobbed on the floor. So we took her off the drug. Um, we put her on metronidazole to try to level out our systems. No, too, she wasn't. She, she no. wasn't. She was just... She, we, we had her on Lasix just to get her out of congestive heart failure, but whatever. She couldn't tolerate the vetmen. She rallied for when we left. She was well enough when we left. When we got back, obviously, her heart needed support. And we did everything we could holistically and everything else to keep her strong. And really, she was doing well. Yeah, she, was, she hit her 14th birthday on yeah. February 14th. Yeah, Valentine's we Day. We bought her a sofa. <laughs> we did. I told for her. her birthday. I told her when she... When she <laughs> I honestly never came to terms with her... Uh, the, the reality that she was going to go. I just thought she's been such a part of my life for so long, uh, good and bad. Sometimes <laughs> she's just a real pain in the butt. But I just um, didn't think that, well, I mean, I knew that she had this issue with the heart, but I thought it would be another year or two. I didn't think yeah. it would be a, like so sudden all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah, she boom. did. We listened to Life Force on the way to the vet to <clears> euthanize <throat> her, and she, she was a Life Force. She really did have a strong Life Force to her. But when we're doing this whole journey with her heart and everything else, all we care about is her quality of life, right? Like that's the only thing we're looking for with our dogs. And she was to the point where she was potty trained. Like this freaking dog could live in a little crate and she knew to hold it and she wasn't peeing and pooping herself every day. But she also now later on was on Lasix and she had all these heart issues and all this stuff. So the dog literally lived in an extra large rough, tough kennel with 
betting galore. Like Scott and I have been joking for months, like, oh, we bought the ferret betting. We bought the hamster betting. We bought the pellets. We bought the cat litter. Like we've been playing with stuff. So she could basically stay clean, but live and not feel bad about pottying and everything else. She had an elevated bed in there. Yeah. So she was up on this little platform. (laughs) And then if she had to use the bathroom, she would step down off into this bedding and and pee in there because the Lasix made her have to pee. That's the whole point. Yeah, point and of it. she was three pounds, right? She was struggling. She had fluid on her heart. She had an enlarged heart. Like there was a lot going on. So I was going to start hanging pictures in, in there, little paintings <laughs> on the wall and stuff, but just didn't get to that point. Um, so anyway, what happened was at the end of that whole scene, she was strong as could be, barking in the morning, stronger than ever, loving her sofa that she got for her 14th birthday. And her heart had just gotten so big, it was putting pressure on her trachea. So we didn't have a lot of options, and it was a hard go. Um, it's always a hard go. But this is the longest dog you've owned yourself. Yeah. I mean, I've always, you know, kind of half-jokingly said, I, I get rid of my dogs before they get old. <laughs> and I have had several Malinois that I've sold or rehomed when they were... And know, when you guys lost Ginger, that was the Mastiff. That she was, was older, tough. but they're not going to... That was Mastiffs a tough one. She was really nine, live. I yeah. think, nine. Yeah. And that was sudden, too. She was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. She was starting to give signs. It's interesting how when dogs get older, and for a Mastiff, nine is, is old. But um, I remember letting her out to, to pee at night. where I would just let her out the back door, and she'd go out and pee and come back in. And then uh, about a month before she passed, I let her out, and she just started, like, walking off into the woods. Like, just, uh, and I've heard about that with dogs where they just start, like, going, trying to find a place to go die, you know? And I'm, I had to run out there in the middle of winter in my underwear to br- get her by the collar, bring her back. Come on, girl, come on back in. And uh, she started having trouble getting up, and then she had, like, a, uh, she had a blood clot that went up into her spine that made her... So she lost feeling in her back end, and no, that but was even, it. She was I mean, 160 that, pounds or Exactly. Something. She was a huge dog, and that's nine years. So Gigi was five more years. I mean, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a big, it's a big part of your life. Yeah, and you don't think about it when you get a dog. You just can't, you know, you can't imagine having a, a, a dog be part of your life for that long. I mean, you hope that you'll have the dog as long as possible, but uh, it really helps, or I don't know if it helps, but it makes you realize how short this life is when you have a dog that can that takes a chunk of your your life and when they pass on and then you realize that your whole life is only like maybe five or six dogs if you're lucky <laughs> and then that's you're, the Williams you're gonna be gone all. too you know so uh, I always mean, looking if, on the bright you're side normal Scotty. And you only have one dog at a time but uh, all right we're not going to do our normal commercial today we're pulling canine mind ship we have a little um, tribute video of Squirt. And this is another thing, too, that I want to tell you guys. Traditions like this are important to us. Like, Scott and I buy toys for our dogs every year. We're videoing them on Christmas morning, opening them. We're taking pictures of them. And this is just, like, a little glimpse of what that looks like in our lives. It was one Christmas, I think, was our home in Amesbury. One Christmas was when we lived at our facility, and one Christmas was from Maine. But, one, you can see some of her journey with alopecia. One uh, video, she has a sweater on because it looks so bad. And uh, you'll you'll just be able to see her personality a little bit more. So we're going to go to break with our squirt tribute. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> She's got border collie anchors. If you like the old... Good girl. Get it. Get it, Cheech. Good girl. What is it? 
Is there something on the ground? Hello? Look! Oh, what is it? That's not a hedgehog over there in the corner. Yeah, that was coming. <laughs> what is it, Cheech? what did you get? I just can see your butt, but good thing we trimmed it because it looks so good. Cheech. Cheech, what did you get over there? Come here, Cheech. What is it? Let me see. Be nice while I reach for it. <gasps> is it a donut? Like Dunkin' Donuts! Oh, that is awesome! She was a cute squirty squoo. Yeah, a and uh, she really helped me as a trainer, too, because as soon as I got her, <laughs> I started training with her. And, um, you know, so I'm training a Malinois that's like 70 pounds, and then I'm training this three-pound... Little and the thing. Mastiff, you had the Mastiff. And the Mastiff, <laughs> and uh, she was, she certainly was more drivey than the Mastiff. He took her, yeah. now you're going to tell the Omar story. So he takes her to Omar, and he's like, Omar, she's really, she's a lot of dogs. She's got a lot of drive. Like, do, what do we do? Get a pinch collar on her? And Omar, like, takes the leash. She's like, you think this dog needs a pinch collar? And, like, moves her around. He's like, she's three pounds. Yeah. But she was, and I guess that's something that I do want to touch on, and that we are going to give you some, like, wisdom here with tiny dogs. That is something to consider, you guys. Like, these dogs are five pounds and under. But a lot of these tiny dogs have a lot of drive. Like, you see a lot of drive in those videos with her with toys on Christmas and grabbing the stocking to tug again. Like, she was born with a lot of drive and a lot of chutzpah. And a and lot can, of times... that can turn into aggression. Yes. You see a lot of I was tiny just dogs that are that. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, chihuahuas are, like, some of the nastiest dogs out there. And it's not feigned aggression like there's real aggression when I was reaching for her donut I was saying that jokingly on Christmas morning but she did have resource guarding issues she was fine with me when you're raised by a seven-year-old girl who just has a little you know Pomeranian puppy and you know is just kind of your friend you're gonna kind of be a jerk sometimes so she was a little bit pushy in those regards she was strong with other animals she wasn't friendly uh, well, I raised her with my <laughs> Malinois. Always does this. Like, oh, she was great. I have video of her playing with the Malinois in, in the yard. So they were best of friends. But I think that whenever she got around any dogs, they were always so much bigger than her that she kind of immediately established a perimeter. Like, oh, don't yeah. go, don't get in my space. And I think she was just concerned about getting stepped on or something, yeah. quite she honestly. She was very so much she would like just the best she chased, is a good uh, offense. Jess, <laughs> Malinois, <laughs> he was like 70 pounds, and she chased him across the yard. I know, and he, <laughs> it's true, it's <laughs> embarrassing. I'm sorry, Pi. I literally said in the exam room when we euthanized her, I'm like, be nice to Pi if you see him. But literally, like... You know, he had some dog issues, and when she became ours full-time, I'm like, okay, this isn't just a weekend thing when the kids come over. Like, we're going to integrate into the pack here. Like, you're going to deal with all of our dogs. So when I realized that, like, Sarge was, you know, okay and, you know, kind of, like, not going to get strange about her, act like she was a squirrel, I let him out in the yard together. And he literally, like, walks over and goes and sniffs her, and she, like, chased him across the yard. The dog never looked so scared in his life. And something similar happened with Jimmy. When he was like five months old, I was cutting her nails. Uh, this is back when she was just coming on the weekends. And I'm cutting her nails. The kids are over. And Jimmy like runs up like, hey, want to be friends? And she's nasty. Yeah, she was a little bit, <laughs> a little spoiled. A little bit nasty. So you're going to have some drive. You're going to have some aggression that may be bubbling up, right? Another thing you guys want to consider is the weather. Like, it sounds crazy, but how often was there a snowstorm where it's like, Gigi can't walk through this? Oh, yeah. Quite, <laughs> didn't take much. Yeah, we, yeah. And we had a special area. Another thing was birds, uh, wildlife. So we had a big dog yard. And then she had a pen within the dog yard that had a, a Lexon 
plastic cover on top of it so that no other yeah, like a know, hawk, hawk might come down and pick her up and, yeah. and take off. So there's a lot of things uh, that are different when you have a tiny dog like that. Yeah, you know? and it's things that like you literally need to consider. I mean, if she was just groomed and she was in a stage of her life where she had hair and it was really raining out, just putting her out to pee could make her all wet, all muddy. Like there were a lot of considerations there. Another thing you want to consider with little dogs is clothes. Like... You know, it's a big billion-dollar pet industry, right? She needed like, a sweater when all her hair did. fell out. Yeah. She needed a sweater, something just to keep her, like, stomach from, like, getting whatever was on the ground, if it was going to be muddy or whatever else. Clothes are a thing. When you have a dog that's under five pounds, no matter what the climate is that you live in, you want to consider clothes, and clothes that also fit them well and that are not a real hassle to take on and off. Well, I mean, when we were in California, she didn't need a sweater or anything like that. No, but if it was just, it also doesn't rain in California. Well, Pomeranians. Maybe if she lived in Portland, it would have been a bigger issue. Pomeranians are kind of unique because I don't know that that they have any other value except to make their owner happy. I mean, that coat is like. They are good working dogs. The coat is so big. It's ridiculous. I mean, the dog dog couldn't even poop without, like, we we had to do like a hygienic cut because her hair on her back end was so much. And it it was, you know, it's a little more maintenance than the average dog. I think they do more than just bring their owner's joy. Gigi had drive up the ass. I would have done agility with her in a heartbeat if I had more time. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, Recreational stuff. But it wasn't like she was Brett. She wasn't like a a Jack Russell that would be a farm dog that's going to be I'm not saying she wouldn't try, but I think between her and a rat that weighs two and a half, three pounds, it might have been quite a battle. (laughs) I wouldn't want to see the rat afterward. But really, these little things that we're talking about and telling you to consider, you don't think about it until you own a dog that's under five pounds, right? Like, when is the last time you've been like, is my dog safe around birds? That's been a real concern for us. When we lived in Amesbury... We lived near the highway and in a very like kind of kind of more rural setting in a sense. It sounds crazy, but we had six acres. So there were just a lot of animals and a lot of and things there was a, going on. There was around. a hawk that sat on a telephone wire yeah. and just would look down at the dog yard and all it, the time. And yeah, and but like either we'd put her out with the mouths and like dogs that would protect her or she had this designated pen. Like these are things that we would con- consider pilling her. I deal with a lot of dogs, right? Like I cut a lot of dogs' nails, a lot of dogs' teeth administer a lot of pills do a lot with dogs like not my first rodeo when she's three pounds I only have so much to work with there right like liquid antibiotics sometimes would be a way to do things she didn't like the syringe to deal with that but very small parts like three pounds you have very small areas my little finger and her little spirit and everything else they didn't really mix well with that kind of situation. So I frequently would get liquid antibiotics. So she wasn't spitting pills or getting weary of treats. I was trying to give her or hide stuff. Like there's all these little things that you don't think about until you're in the thick of it. And you're like, wow, like this is a big deal. You mentioned that you were happy. She never got attacked by another dog. That was always a big concern of, of yours. Of owning course. Her. I mean, uh, I, I don't think she could have tolerated one, one bite from a big dog it would have killed her. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to consider with these tiny breeds is the diet because she was like, you know, it's kind of like, um, they're like a, a little mini Mac chainsaw. You know, it's like, if you put the wrong <laughs> gas in it, the thing is, it's dead. That's it's screwed true. This up. is and a good one. With her, she had to have a very specific diet. Oh. If you change the diet, like if you, and I, I mean, there were certain things she could eat, but if you just tried, you wouldn't just try something new because we knew after 14 years, she's going to have diarrhea. She's yeah. going to have a problem. You know, it's, it's such a such a small system yeah. that she just couldn't handle 
certain that's, certain that's things. That's true, she and I'm glad, I'm glad it, that you, know? you brought that up. Because when you're dealing with a dog that's five pounds or under, if they get sick and they lose weight, if they lose a half pound, that's the majority of their body weight, right? Like we have another oh. dog that loses a half pound Certainly or a, a pound or five pounds. Yeah, like you're, it's starting to get into dangerous territory. So you have to monitor them more. Like you have to watch their glucose more. Tiny dogs yeah. often have to have a lot of little meals, especially as they're growing up and everything. But that was a huge thing. When she went to raw, I think we did that with alopecia and when she, whatever, whatever. We put her on raw. I did a pre-made raw, and then when she was fully ours, I'm like, I'll just do raw like I do raw. It was literally like, up, oh, turkey's out, like, tuna's out. Like, literally, like, the dog rotated through, like, sweet potatoes, sardines, cooked egg, cooked stew meat, or double ground um, duck or chicken. And when we ground, we have a meat grinder that we grind for. We would grind hers twice because she had a smaller system and we didn't want bigger bones. Like, there yeah. are a lot of considerations. And Scott's right. Like, yeah, if he was eating a piece of bread or something... Yeah, we'll give her treats of what we're eating, but it's never just like, oh, Gigi could have this full chew or Gigi could have this or let's try this for her like or let's switch this diet. No, it's not the same as a big dog. Its system is very small and they can be very sensitive. Yeah. You have anything else to say about our squirty squirrel? Well, it's been quite a journey, and uh, I'm feeling a little bit older now that she's passed. I, you know, I was I was saying to a friend of mine that you know I came out here with uh, the three dogs, a cat, a tortoise, and um, they're all gone now. Mm-hmm. She was the last of everyone that came from California with me, and the kids are all grown up. My youngest daughter is 21, graduated from college, and it's on to the next phase. Yep, new yep. dogs. And and, uh, and with that said, and we it's a weird realization, this is the least Scott and I have ever had in a decade, which is a lot to like consider and think about. And now I'm ready for the main coon cat. Oh, don't start with the cat. <laughs> we got a cat and we got a horse. We're <laughs> we're done with dogs. One of my clients has a main coon cat. It chases the dogs around is, the house. This is the perfect depiction of my life with Scott. Like things are less. Now we're doing but this. I, I want to do protection with the cat though. Oh my god, yeah. It has to be now that have, he has the brevet border collie. Have we're some gonna level have the brevet main coon. Oh my god. Can't be too sleepy. Anyway, this is an important point to make and to realize that when you go through these transitions in life, give it some time of where you started, of how the journey ended, of what you want the future to look like. When we bring dogs into our lives, it is very intentional because I came into this marriage with multiple dogs. Scott came into this relationship with multiple dogs. Like It's very intentional when we make these decisions and we want them with us for as long as we can have them. But taking a breath, taking a moment, grieving this loss, doing these things. We got her urn back yesterday. We brought it on the set today. Like this is, we talk about these things. Like we go through this kind of catharsis together because if we don't, then all of a sudden, three months later, I won't even be able to get out of bed because of debilitating depression. And that may sound crazy to some people, but that is how significant these animals are in our lives. And if we are not giving this time and space and like really feeling these things, it can really get ugly. So please give yourselves and your dogs the time for these things. Losing a dog is never easy. It has been a really hard go for us. We were here two weeks ago filming the podcast we did with Daisy. And like at that point, had you said, Gigi won't be here in two weeks, we both would have said, you're crazy. You're smoking crack. She's fine. Yeah, she was strong. Yeah. Like there was no thought in our minds that that was going to happen. But sudden or not, we don't want her to suffer. And giving yourselves time to grieve, giving your other animals time to grieve. The pack right now, they're all like, uh, who's going to step up? 
all of this is important. And Scott's daughter being able to be there with us was so nice for us and Gigi and everything. So be conscious of these things and going through these processes. And yes, it would be so much easier sometimes to just give the animal to the tax and not have to go through the pain. But half of owning the animal is going through the pain. So even if you haven't gone through this experience before, and it is one of the most gut-wrenching experiences you can possibly go through, maybe your next animal consider going through it because this is part of our duty as pet parents, whatever you want to call it, to literally help our dogs transition in peace. Well, it is nice to be there with them uh, during that time because they don't know what the hell's going on and um, you want them to be comfortable. And I'd, for me, I would like my dog to, to see me uh, before they pass rather than a bunch of strangers in, in lab coats or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like she was eating raw beef in the exam room. It's a hard go, you know, like there's not always, it, it, you really have to make the choice that is this right for the animal? Is the animal suffering? And unfortunately, unless she was in my arms and I was carrying her to the toilet to pee, she was suffering because she wasn't able to breathe as well anymore. And that yeah, she was kind of strangling, you know, yeah. she was just not getting the oxygen. And that as her mom and dad, that was our choice to help her through that decision. So it was even talk about which very brief. But they make now a, a, an oxygen tank with a little mask for a dog. And someone said, you know, you could get this oxygen tank and you could give her oxygen. And and I, I'm thinking, you know, both of us are thinking we're going to... Well, we were, <laughs> we were considering it, though. Like, we didn't know oxygen. we didn't know where it was going to go. We were yeah. considering it. No, we didn't yeah, know. no, I know. Like, we were... It, we, uh, it, it happened so quickly. Like, I'm sitting here telling you honestly, two weeks ago, we would have said, like, Squirtle... Two weeks. Squirtle, yeah. <laughs> Squirtle be here for two years. You nuts. Uh, she was so strong. And then in that moment of time where things unraveled, it unraveled quickly. Like I knew very well, like the dog I'm holding isn't a dog that's dying, but she also doesn't sound like she's breathing well. So we literally got x-rays again on Saturday. She saw an Eastern vet of ours on Sunday. And by Tuesday, we had made the decision. And that was also sandwiched in between our anniversary and Scott's birthday. So we've had a lot going on, a lot to think about, a lot to deal with. And us taking time to share this with you, honestly, is somewhat for our sakes. But also, these are things that we want you to realize when you own an animal and you love an animal. And especially if you have a tiny dog, like, we won't have a tiny dog ever again. I well, love I'll you, but you, we won't. <laughs> tiny dogs and extra large dogs yeah, are a come lot. with their own. <laughs> Which is the first two animals that <laughs> yeah, Scott I decided mean, to have family animals. <laughs> when you have a, you know, a, a an English Mastiff or a dog that's you know, 140 pounds plus, you know, I found myself thinking about, do I really want to take the dog with me to the park? Because it's a bigger production to yeah. get the dog into the car. There's more considerations, the yeah, right? There's considerations with any living thing, any animal. But if there are you know, huge size things going on with dogs. It's different. Maybe we'll do a giant dog podcast in the next couple of weeks. All right. Yeah. Next week, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what's happening at all, but we're going to be here. And um, thank you guys for sharing the last half hour with us. We love our squirt. We miss her. And uh, we're grateful for all the time we had with her. This one's dedicated to Gigi. All right. Keep it quirky, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.